0: This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 yakshamash. Club to you too, over there. You know, Billy,
1: really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a
2: real
0: We uh, <laughs> 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 Welcome to the show, Christian Leitner.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm proud of my heritage. and My mother used to make a lot of delicious meals. kapusta all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of a lot of Polish
0: tradition there. shamash, everybody, welcome to the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Brought to you by Bucky's fifth quarter. I am Jake Korowski. We are under 90 minutes away from Wisconsin Badgers taking on the USC Trojans in the 2015 National Funding Holiday Bowl, and it should be a great matchup. A lot of strength versus, versus, versus strength, and a lot of fun to see if the number one ranked scoring defense in the Wisconsin Badgers can contain a potent passing game of the Trojans from Cody Kessler, their quarterback, to Juju Smith-Schuster, their sophomore wide receiver, who is quite the standout with 85 catches. We'll get more into that in about 20 minutes, about 8.20. We're going to start our pregame show. It's uh, We have that on Bucky's dot com as a, a big flip for us, as a uh, big news break for us. We'll have Ben Wargle on around 8.30, to help us break down that matchup, talk maybe a hint recruiting, maybe a hint basketball, mostly of course the holiday bowl. And we got the Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski here and Scotty, uh first off before we get into talking some badgers in about twenty minutes, uh before we even talk about the Green Bay Packers and their horrific uh dismantling uh by on the hands of by the hands of the Arizona Cardinals last Sunday. How was your holiday, man?
1: Uh, it was uh, it was good. Very good. Um aside from of course uh it the holiday weekend being capped off by, as you mentioned, the uh terrible performance of the Packers. otherwise it was great. We were very lucky to not have the bad weather until because as mostly people in our listening area in southeastern Wisconsin, I know you guys got hit pretty hard as well. So um we didn't have to travel through any of that, so that was good. But uh yeah, all in all everything was great. Absolutely. Good to hear.
0: Good to hear. I know I had a lot of traveling. Uh, I know I, you and I were texting back and forth about some of the escapades and some of the, uh, delightful stuff that I, uh, we had to go through this past weekend. It was a nice whirlwind tour through the lovely Northern Illinois, uh, and into the Rockford area, back up to Madison. So thankfully we're back up here, but let's hit it on the head. Let's let's kind of break this down already. Um, Kind of get into the thick of things, uh, and and by the way, folks, we, uh, at the end of the show, we'll also talk about the new uh, partnership that we have. Uh, we'll go more into detail about that Scotty and I are really really excited about uh, bringing on this new sponsor. We'll talk more about it after we talk with Ben Wargle uh, as we wrap it up as we start our new year with a new sponsor. So we're like I said, very excited. We'll announce that uh, probably about ten two five two nine, and we'll have some fun there. But Let's talk 38 to 8. The Packers destroyed by the Cardinals. Cardinals wrap up the number 2 seed. Packers now fighting with a flex game to the Minnesota Vikings. I don't know how much time we really want to spend on the game, but, but Scott, I'll let you kind of take the bull by the horns on this. Let's just maybe I'll throw out a quick question. Uh, it's uh, overarching.
1: What happened? Oh, what happened is what we, I think, pretty much feared. This team isn't that good. Um, you know, you look at you talk. A lot of people thought Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. I was unsure. I thought they were a playoff team, and, and they clearly still are. But I, I wasn't sure about the Super Bowl talk, and and I think we're finding out that, you know, the Super Bowl talk was a little bit premature. Now, we can point to several different things, and we've – we've, I don't want to rehash things we've talked about in past shows, but, you know, there is, you know, some people think there's still the NFC championship game hangover, that epic collapse. Some people think of that. Uh, it's a little bit more about missing Jordy Nelson, or maybe some discombobulation with the coaching staff and the relationship with Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. But what it comes down to is, even though the defense has been better than last year and the special teams has been better than last year, which would be kind of hard not to be as bad as the special teams were, this team's not that good. They're not terrible. They're kind of in football hell right now, being that they're good enough to make the playoffs but not really a legitimate championship contender. You have to ask yourself. You know, they, they, they beat Minnesota. They might play um, either Minnesota again or Seattle, depending on if Seattle beats Arizona. I think they'd be favored at home against Minnesota, but would you favor them against anybody else? I mean, would you favor them at home against Seattle? Yeah, they beat Seattle at, in September, but Seattle was a different team then, and so were the Packers, at least that's what it seems like. Would you favor them on the road against Washington? Against road teams, road playoff teams, they, they're they not only 0-3, but they've been annihilated. Oh, I'm sorry, 1-3 because they beat Minnesota. They got annihilated against Denver. They were beaten up and down the field for three and a half quarters against Carolina, and they got slaughtered by Arizona. So even if they were able to get by round one, if it's Minnesota or if they're able to win a home game, who are they going to beat in round two? I mean, who would – I know anything can happen, and I know they still have the talent. The roster is – Basically, the, uh, minus Jordy Nelson, they still have the playmakers from last year, but they haven't put it together. In fact, people could say, well, you know, hey, why don't why, why don't you think they could be hot? Well, nothing tells me that they can. I, maybe I would feel that way if they had started the season slow and got hot at the end. But they started 6-0, and and they're limping to the finish. They're 4-5 and since then. So uh, what happened was they played a team that was better than them, they, this year, more than any other year, they tend to have a lot of quit in them when they get, you know, smashed in the mouth like they did against Arizona. And the weird part about it was it was still a toss up game as they approached halftime, then a red zone turnover that turned into points for the Cardinals. And at that point, I don't care what the score said, in my mind, the game was over there. So. They had a chance to make a statement going into the half, and they didn't do that, and they just they got taken apart. And it's scary because, okay, the first time you saw this happen this year, they lost to Denver, okay, and you're like, oh well, you know maybe it was an anomaly, but they've been bad since. Now, in our preseason show, I said the Packers were an 11 or 12 win team. So they could end up with 11 wins, but I just don't feel as good about it as I would if those losses were a little bit spread out. Losing on the road to Denver, nothing to be ashamed of. Losing on the road to Arizona, nothing to be ashamed of. Carolina proved to be better than they were, but it's how they lost those games. Not that they lost them. It's how they lost them. Um, You know, losing at home to Detroit and Chicago, inexplicable, uh, inexcusable. One of those losses, maybe. But those two, I don't know. And then it took a miracle to win the rematch in Detroit. That could have been another loss, and they could be fighting for their playoff lives right now. So, again, when five years from now, ten years from now, you look at the the postscript of the season, if they beat Minnesota, you go, oh, yeah, 11-5, that was a pretty good year. They must have been a pretty good team. But I just don't got that feeling. You know, I don't think they're terrible, but do you get the feeling that this team's ready to contend for a championship?
0: Oh, no, not at
1: all. And
0: it, it, it's one of those things that
1: with –
0: right now when you're dealing with just what's happened uh, and you see sort of the discussions of – I don't know if you even saw the uh, – I mean, you take a look at what happened with T.J. Lang like when the Packers are driving and then Rodgers audibles – what appears to be out of a run and then throws it to Adams who – you know, it's a good read, but it just it went through Adam's hands. And you see T J Lang look at him and, and and why the expletive did you throw throw to it to him. And which you you saw that and you kinda of stared and like, What's going on with this team? What uh what is there confidence lacking in this offense? Is there does, I mean it goes back to a bunch of uh you know, what you mentioned is this a t- playoff team. It they are based off their record, but they're not. I mean, they're not riding that momentum that they did at the end of the year back in 2010 when they went to the Super Bowl. Like it's it's not a good. Yes. It's it's the it's the reverse feeling of it, and so absolutely, and and that's and that's and, and like I say, yeah, you want to like they say the hottest team, and you can ask the Packers that year, you can hear ask the Giants the year after, and back in 07, it, it they ride this wave of momentum, which I think right now is you're looking at the Seattle Seahawks. I think they're the mm-hmm. ones that people are scared of the most. And it's I don't feel and, and who knows, maybe magically something gets put together. And they have the talent. Anytime you have Aaron Rodgers, you're you're close to winning the game. Uh out, outside of the Arizona game and uh, what happened in Denver. But honestly, I mean you take a look at that too, four turnovers. You know, four turnovers led to twenty eight points of the Cardinals. And that you know, that's a really mm-hmm did them in and you mentioned i mean the play of the game was right before half when rogers threw that bad pick and Mm -hmm. instead of being even three points which could have gotten them you know it became a a a 14 point swing and yeah right and so that yeah that took them into you know half in a bad foot and even when they had the ball that you know and then you have two literally they're two back to back plays if you think about it the last their last offensive play in the first half and that first play of that second half when when Starks you know fumbles on that instant huge swing and sure. you know
1: but but there's more to it than that yes they played poorly but because of this doubt because of this the this infighting because of the McCarthy Rodgers issues which aren't irre- irreparable but they probably are insurmountable this year and Lang, as far as I'm concerned with T.J. Lang, you know what? It's a stupid move by him to ask that question. You got a guy in the field. You can't not. Throw, you can't tell the defense, I'm not going to use this guy who's on the field because I don't want him out there. And Devontae Adams. So I think Lang obviously caught up in the moment, but because of, there's too much of this caught up in the moment, this team is unraveling emotionally and mentally. Again, it doesn't have to be something that lingers in the next year, but it's certainly not going to get fixed overnight. I mean, we've been saying that since the Denver game. Oh, yeah, they can write the ship. Nah, okay, they didn't. Okay, well, they can write the ship after. Yeah, no, they really didn't. And then people thought after the miracle in, in, in at Ford Field, like, oh, this this is going to be the the thing that catapults them. You know, they're going to write the ship not really you know they won in oakland you know but they certainly got it handed to them uh last week so i i just don't think that they can just take all the things that have happened this year and all the bad feelings and all the bad vibes and just go in Aaron rogers thinks they can He says, you know when it counts you know we're going to show up well shouldn't it count every week
0: well, and so, that's and that's and that's a big thing too. Like, like when you said that, I I was just kind of turned off. Oh, when it counts, like, what didn't it count for? And the fact that the simple fact that
1: they that know, they could counts, have been the number two seed if they absolutely. would have won that one and won out. So how can you say that this game didn't quote unquote count or matter?
0: I agree, and Bro. that's and that's where I'm getting at. When what what does that mean? And you know, on, on top of that, now obviously, like looking ahead. Uh, and not dwelling too much on that game, and from what it sounds like per other media reports that McCarthy had noted that they really didn't watch film from the Arizona game, uh, which we can't blame them for. You're looking at the fact that...
1: What's there to to watch? I mean, I understand there's importance in film study. Don't get me wrong. But nowadays... But the technology on the sidelines, and they can instantly see things and see things that happen. Why? It's not like in the old days or even five, ten years ago when you were learning something that you didn't see on the field by watching that film. They're seeing it instantaneously on the sideline. They're getting a tablet handed to them saying, look, take a look at this and, and take a look at what happened or what didn't happen. They're getting that instant uh, on-demand coaching. So I don't get. Oh, some people were upset. And they're always been bringing up. Some people were upset because, like, well, they didn't watch the film. What were we gonna learn from that? You got spanked. I I, I mean, it, there's nothing nowadays with the with the modern you know advances in technology that should surprise you by anything you were gonna see on Monday or Tuesday when you watch that film.
0: Now looking ahead, and obviously we're about six minutes away from our our pregame show talking, we're highlighting Badgers talking. Obviously, Holiday Bowl in just about 75 minutes. Badgers, Trojans, down in San Diego, and, and we'll have Ben Wargo on in about 15 minutes here on the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, which of course is brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. What do you see in this game against Minnesota coming up? It's flexed. It's a Sunday night, so we have our Sunday to do whatever we need to do for chores and recoup before the the Monday to start the new year. Uh, for the business days, if you will, uh for those yeah, for those of us that with our with the jobs and what are what are you seeing with just this game? Is it gonna be a repeat of that first game at TCF Stadium? Or or what do you see
1: happening no, in the matchup? up I don't I can't I have a hard time. Even though they did it in the first game, I have a hard time believing that at this stage of the season and at this stage of the game, that they can manhandle or easily beat anybody. I mean, I thought for a quarter against Oakland, that this was going to be the game where they can have a cruise. No, not so much. It got close. They won, but it got close. Um, the Dallas game, they never were able to pull away. So, yeah, they beat Minnesota to Minnesota, and that that turns out to be, like, if this were the NCAA selection show, that would be a win that helped their RPI or whatever, you know. But just because the way this team has played the last, you know, 10 weeks of the season, the last nine games, the last 10 weeks, I I can't look at any game and go, yeah, they'll win this one by 12 points, 13 points, 14 points. They'll win this one going away. No, it's going to be tight. If they win, it's going to be close. I also reserve the right to feel that, you know, they could have a couple of plays not go their way, completely check out and get blown out by two touchdowns themselves. But if they win, it's going to be by three points, four points. Um, How do they do it? Well, they can't turn the ball over, so they're going to have to play mistake-free. Aaron Rodgers is going to have to take care of the ball. The running backs and receivers are going to have to not fumble. If they can win the turnover battle, and somehow keep Adrian Peterson in check, you know, 90 to 100 yards, yeah, they can win this game. You know, make Bridgewater beat you, and if he does, you tip your hat, fine. But do I think they're going to win comfortably? Absolutely not. Again, there's just no reason, no logical reason for me to look at this game and go, oh, yeah, yeah, they got this. It's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a grinder, and it should be a decent game uh, for – the regular season finale uh, is in the last game for postseason starts, and the Packers will be you know, in action that first week. Will they be on the road at Washington? Will they be hosting Minnesota? Will they be hosting Seattle? I don't know, but we know that they're going to play, and they could have a game Saturday, or obviously, or Sunday, but uh, they could get saddled with that Saturday slot as well, so they'd have a short week after a Minnesota game, and if it's a loss, they'll have a short week to recoup.
0: Exactly. And, and you're looking at it, the NFC has been clinched. You have Washington, uh, the. Uh, weird to think the NFC East, the Washington Redskins winning the division. I don't think any many people had them winning the division uh, with the way that organization can be run at times. But then you have. Well, especially
1: uh, a, with the quarterback controversy and you know, at the beginning of the year, and everybody thought how terrible the job Gruden was doing handling his quarterbacks and how. how Unfathomable it was that Kirk Cousins was the starter, but obviously, you know, you're in the trenches when you're at every practice and you see it. He saw something. He, he he believed in Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins, at least this season, certainly didn't disappoint.
0: Absolutely. And then you have, of course, you have Packers and Vikings, both at right now ten and five. One will be eleven and five. The other ten and six. Carolina, of course, at uh, fourteen and one. Arizona's thirteen and two. And we'll see who obviously both clinched the bye. Uh we'll see who gets the number one seed in home field throughout. And the last playoff wild card team, you are looking at the Seattle Seahawks, uh currently nine and six and they face the Cardinals. Should be a fun matchup there on Sunday to decide uh if, if uh we'll see if possibly where the Seahawks can can move up, move down, uh in terms of who well, they'll the face.
1: Look, the Seahawks can win that game, Jake. And yeah. the reason why is you, you got you, you have to, no matter what, you always have to take into account the fact that divisional games uh, sometimes can be crapshoots. I mean, St. Louis beat Seattle twice. Is St. Louis better than Seattle? I don't think so. But, you know, the Bears beat the Packers this year. Detroit almost beat the Packers twice. Divisional games can be weird. The Jets beat Buffalo. Buff- or, I'm sorry, beat New England. New England's a better team than the Jets. So I think you know I think Seattle could win this game and you know move into the 5 spot which would give Carolina no matter what they do the number 1 seed but um but you're right they're both going to be off real quick in the AFC there's a a little bit more intrigue there because there's seven teams fighting for six spots including seeding going on for the top two or three teams um but Pittsburgh, Kansas City and the Jets are fighting for the last two wild card spots and um that should be interesting in and of itself um, Pittsburgh uh, had a chance, again, a divisional game. Pittsburgh's way better than, than Baltimore, who's playing with their you know, third-string quarterback, a the guy they had to sign a few weeks ago, and what happens? Pittsburgh loses. So you just never know with those divisional ri- rivalries and those divisional matchups.
0: Absolutely. And what we'll do next week, obviously, is break down. We'll break down early next week. Packers and Vikings, what else happened in the NFL with the playoffs, where where the seedings are, and uh, from
2: the, oh, excuse me,
0: uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of a caffeine burp right there because I am now trying to stay awake for, for what we'll be talking about next, uh, but we'll, what we'll do next week is highlight who we think will go to the Super Bowl, who the Super Bowl contenders will be. And uh go and make our predictions for uh, the wild card weekend or yeah, yeah, the wild card weekend, and we'll have some fun there. Uh other than that, guys, uh what we'll do now it is 8.20, and as we promised with you guys, it is our Badgers Trojans 2015 Holiday Bowl pre-game show. And uh thank you guys for joining us for those that are just uh jumping on from Bucky's fifth quarter from the announcement we just had. Uh, I'm Jake Okorowski. We have got the Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski. We are the tag team known as the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, uh, and of course we're brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And make sure you guys go to Bucky's Fifth Quarter. We had a lot, uh, a lot of pre-game festivities in terms of just previews and highlights and matchups, and just we followed as best we could without actually being able to get down to San Diego. Uh, just Kind of highlighting what's going on between the Trojans and the Badgers, and what what we feel will come to pass tonight uh, with a not late 9:30 p.m. Central Time uh, kickoff. And so, uh, coming into the game, Scotty, I mean, it's it's a it's a big matchup. It's a powerhouse program in USC. Obviously, kind of hard times with the Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, melee and the confusion and the lawsuits and, and, and just kind of the bad situation that happened there. They're eight and five, six and three from the Pac twelve. Badgers come in, nine and three, six and two in the Big Ten. Last time these two teams met, Scotty, you're looking at the fact that it was back in nineteen sixty six and Wisconsin has not beat USC in its program history for football. And uh in, in overall, your initial thoughts before we kinda of dive deep, we got Ben Wargo on in about eight minutes. What are your thoughts? When uh, let me ask you, when, when, what are your initial thoughts when you when you think of this game, uh, which is just over an hour away?
1: Well, I said it when uh, when the bowl matchups were announced that this has a a, a marquee feel to it, uh, even though it's not a New Year's Eve or New Year's Day bowl, um, because of the programs involved. I mean, you've got Wisconsin, who's become a top tier program. You've got USC who's a perennial top tier program. So it's got that kind of cool, special feeling to it. And if you think about it over the years, the holiday bowl has always kind of been that non new year's marquee game. I mean, there's always been some really intriguing matchups. That's my initial uh, first blush thought about it. And then the other thing is I, you know, I know that the, the offense, the passing offense for USC is really good. Um, but, you know, and everybody talks about, well, they played in a tough conference. But, you know, what, the Big Ten was no joke this year. I think Wisconsin can win this game. But I think it's going to be defensively and Joel Stave not turning the ball over. I mean, it's kind of you know, harking back to what we talked about when we talked about, you know, how the Packers beat Minnesota, you don't turn the ball over. If Stave can play error-free football as far as turnovers go, the defense, I think, is going to do fine and keep them very much in this game. And I think the Badgers could squeak one out here. But, I mean... I know we're going to do predictions more towards the end of this, but I, I just I've been hearing USC this USC this you know USC's offense USC can do this. Wisconsin's defense isn't a joke; they've proven that they can stop teams, and I think they can do it again today at least slow down that passing offense and win this game.
0: And you hit it right on the head with that defense; it's number one in scoring defense, just getting up a shade over thirteen uh, a shade points over per game. You're looking at number three in total defense, giving up just a shade over 267 yards per contest. Number four in rushing defense, holding opponents under 100 yards on the ground per game. And then number six in passing defense, giving up just under 170 yards per game this season so far. But you're going in, you know, Cody Kessler, that that USC Trojan offense, you mentioned it, the passing game's good, averaging about 275 yards a game. The big one matchup to watch, It's going to be that secondary. You're looking at the fact Darius Hillary and soldiering Shelton along with the safety center, McAvoy, you're looking at Michael Caputo, and even the Neckle packages with Derek Tindall, maybe if you see some HL Jamerson with the four cornerback sub package, you're looking at the fact that uh, they'll have to take on Juju Smith-Schuster, sophomore wide receiver, has about 85 catches, uh, one of the one of the more premier wide receivers, and he's it's only in his second year. He's been hampered with some some injuries. We'll see if that month off has helped him. Uh, but you have those guys. You have a decent running attack where you have two running backs just under a thousand yards. Uh, one's just about 125 yards off, another just a, about 50. Uh, when you have uh, Joseph Justin, uh, I think it's just, yeah uh, Ronald Jones Jones and. Uh, Justin Davis, I believe their names are. So you have you have really good running backs there. Uh, and, but, yeah, like you mentioned, the defenses that are Joe Schobert and Vince Beagle both uh, combined for 17.5 sacks, which is the best combination of a linebacker duo in the in the FBS. They've combined for, I believe, about 32, if I'm not mistaken, uh, over 32 um, uh, what you want to call tackles for loss, which places them actually like fourth best amongst – the FBS combinations, that's impressive, you know, and this this defense is very strong, uh, and yeah, 32.5 tackles for loss. It, they'll anchor this defense, and, and the big thing, too, Chad Wheeler, the USC out left tackle, is out for the game, and they have to move over their right guard, or the right tackle, I should say, and that uh, that that could be where the you, the Sharks and Showbert and Beagle smell blood when all of a sudden you're seeing... Uh, Zach Banner, who's the right tackle, heading over to to the left side, and then you have Chuma Ad- Adaga, uh, who's a former five star, right you know, five star recruit. Should be interesting to see how USC adapts. Uh, but also, you know, you, you know, you, you talked about the defense, the offense for Badgers, and and you hit you hit it there with with Stave playing mistake free ball. That's going to be the toughest part. That's going to be the toughest part uh, in terms of uh, you have a very talented USC defense. They're a secondary could shut down some of the passing game. But if they can establish the running game like they did against Minnesota, and it sounds like, based off of comments from Chris, that you can infer that the running game, they're going to keep the offensive line combination that they had during the Minnesota game uh, to gel a little bit further. And uh, they gained 257 yards for the game, 199, 199 of those in the first half. We will see how... They do against USC defense, and from what it sounds like, I mean, they've kind of cleared house. I don't know if you've heard this, Scotty, but like they, they don't have a lot of defensive coaches on there. They, uh, the new head coach for USC had mentioned that he, I mean, they cleared house of the defensive coordinators and and I believe the line coach as well. So we'll see how that defense communicates and, and if the Badgers can continue rolling with that. Uh, and then uh, in terms of uh, the holiday bowl, like where do where do you place the holiday bowl when it comes to the simple fact of, I mean, like you said, it's not necessarily a New Year's Day six bowl on New Year's Day bowl, but like obviously with this type of talent, and, and we've even seen talent in like the other bowl games even earlier today.
1: The- uh, where, where do you put the holiday bowl? Oh, I like I said, it's to me, it's right below. Uh, the marquee, You know, when I was growing up, even, um, and, he, he, and in recent years, it was always, you know, the Holiday Bowl and the Peach Bowl were the two games where they got good uh, top-level teams to come play uh, that, like I said, that didn't qualify for one of the other uh, major bowls. So I, I like it. I, they're, they're usually fun matchups. There's usually some points scored. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think if they weren't going to be able to get to New Year's Day bowl – the next best thing to do would be to get a bid to play in the holiday bowl. And, uh, also a different venue for, uh, people, you know, like badger fans who travel, they've been to Tampa before. They've done the Florida circuit. You know, the Rose bowl would be great because it means you wanted a big 10, but you know, they've done that. San Diego's different. It's fun. It's a nice place to visit. So I'm sure the badger fans down there are enjoying the weather because it's always perfect. It seems down there. um, And like you said, the atmosphere, Badger fans, USC fans who don't have that far to travel, I think uh, from that standpoint, it's very intriguing. And uh, you know, it would be nice if we were spending, especially after the weather we've had this week uh, up here in Wisconsin, it would be nice (laughs) for us to be down in uh, San Diego, but I guess it wasn't in the cards this year.
0: Well, if our Dupas would actually have been able to get out to that weather based off of how many delays and cancellations from our other media friends, even those that cover the Green Bay Packers, we... Uh, from Jason Wilde to who I think actually got there on time, but just Wes Hodko with others uh, dealing with the elements that on uh, that angle uh, probably would have gotten out there probably just today. Uh, but that I would not have minded. Uh, temperatures from what they're talking about are in, in the mid 50s, which is perfect football weather. Uh, should be a lot of fun. By the way, Barry Alvarez at the pep rally today saying, I think tonight you'll see Badger football's finest hour. We'll see if that's the case. and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting big things out of that defense. But what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break, come back for you guys. Ben Wargo, BadgerNation.com will join us, preview the game. I'll be doing some writing on that side as well, as well as Bucky's fifth quarter tonight. So uh, stay tuned, guys. We're going to take about a, I will say, a 45-second break. We'll be right back here on the Kilbasa Kings Sports Extravaganza. Everyone, welcome back. Bucky's fifth quarter, our 2015 Holiday Bowl preview show, Wisconsin Badgers, USC Trojans. Um, uh, Thanks, everyone, for joining us on our pregame show, I will call it. I'm here at the Polish Rifle, Scott Wisniewski. I'm Jay Kokorowski, and we got with us, of course, a friend, a mentor, a BFF, one of our BFFs, if I can call him that, if you'll allow me to, or maybe he'll just hang up. It's Ben Wargle, BadgerNation.com. How you doing, buddy?
2: If you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try again. No, hey, what's going on?
0: <laughs> uh, doing well. Doing well. Of course, now we're just about uh, right around an hour till kickoff. Uh, right now, you're looking at, uh, 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 of course, uh, one of our uh, favorite things of, of uh, a late game. And, you know, Ben, what's your. Uh, I taught, asked Scotty this at the beginning of our, our pregame show here uh, for Bucky's fifth quarter. What's What's your initial impression of this game? Uh, San Diego, obviously a beautiful city, Qualcomm Stadium, but the fact that the Badgers facing a, a good USC program—what are your initial thoughts uh, heading into this game?
2: Well, it's an open-air press box, so that's exciting. That's something different um, <laughs> for us media scribes. But in terms of the terms of the product on the field, um, to me. The biggest question mark in this game is is USC and how are they going to approach this game? Are they going to come into this game motivated and ready to play, or are they going to be kind of clouded over over what's happened over the last couple of weeks with four defensive coaches being or four coaches being fired, many on the defensive side of the ball? How will that impact how the game plan has been put together? They're playing in the Holiday Bowl for the second straight year. What's their motivation? after having such high expectations coming into the year to be playing and for what probably USC fans would deem for them a second-tier bowl. I think anything outside the college football playoff is deemed a second-tier bowl for USC. So to me, it's it's kind of a question of motivation for the Trojans. What kind of team are we going to see in a little over an hour? You know, for Wisconsin, I think the key to the game for the Badgers is defensively. Can you slow down a USC offense that has many moving parts and many very good moving parts? You know, a fifth year senior quarterback and, and Cody Kessler, a uh, top end wide receiver in Juju Smith, a uh, pretty solid offensive line, although their left tackle is not going to play in this game, and some good running backs that can stretch the field and rack up some yards. So, you know Wisconsin's defense, number one in the country uh, in scoring, and has been tremendous since playing Alabama many, many weeks ago. But this is Wisconsin's biggest test since they played Alabama. They didn't play the the best teams in the Big Ten in terms of offense. They didn't play in Indiana, Michigan, or Michigan State, or in Ohio State. So I think this is going to kind of be one of those things for me who can come up with those big plays? Is it USC's offense or Wisconsin's defense? Whichever side of the ball delivers, I think that's the team that wins the game.
1: Now, Ben, I uh, I echoed a lot of those points, thinking that the Badgers could win this game because of uh, being shorthanded, USC on the offensive line, because of the motivation, because I think the defense is good. I don't know that they're great because you mentioned they didn't play some of the top teams. But I also thought Joel Stavney playing mistake-free football was going to be the key. If he can not throw any interceptions, or he's able to somehow, you know, control you know one turnover or less, I think the Badgers have a shot. If he turns the ball over a couple of times, it could get ugly.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of been the mo of of Wisconsin football the last couple of years. I mean, especially this year too. They played pretty clean for a good portion of their games, but when they've gone south, they've gone south in a hurry. You know, against Iowa, Iowa's ten points came off of. of Two turnovers. Uh, they had, you know, a turnover at the one yard line that cost them probably the game you know, against Northwestern. Five turnovers. So kind of when it rains, it pours for the Wisconsin offense, and it's just not on Joel Stave too. A lot, of, a lot of the the turnovers and the fumbles committed by the quarterback have been because of the lack of protection from the offensive line. If this offensive line can build upon what happened against Minnesota uh, over a month ago and move in a a positive direction. Not saying dominate the trenches, but just manage the trenches. Open up some alleys for Goomba Wally, maybe Corey Clement, uh, Taiwan Deal to to get some yards. And then just adequate pass protection to allow Joel Sabi to go through some of his reads and progressions and try to get the ball moving down the field. Alex Erickson, Rob Willard going to be back for the first time since the Illinois game, Austin Trailer, Troy Fumagalli. There's some options here for the offense. And for me as well, you want to see Stavi get into a rhythm early, get this offense moving early. When this team can move the ball down the field with some consistency in the first half, that usually bodes pretty well for the game. But you're right. If if Stavi's throwing the ball all around the field and he's delivering interceptions, it's going to be very hard to beat a team of this caliber that has a lot of talent, a lot of athleticism on it.
0: We're here with BadgerNation.com's. Ben Morgel here, of course, one of uh, one of our good friends, good buddies from Scout dot com, and uh, make sure you guys check out the coverage there. Ben always gives great analysis and breakdowns, and uh, of course, uh, there'll be someone writing, uh, someone by the name of Jay Kokarowski doing some some writing later on too for for the site. So uh, make sure you guys check out that along with Bucky's Fifth Quarter. When you you talked about the defense and you talked about the offense of, of USC. Uh, what scares you the most? Is it is it just the is it the Kessler the Juju Smith Schuster combination? Is it uh, the running backs who obviously are both within striking distance of a thousand yards on the season? Uh, and, and where do you feel is it, do you feel the Badgers can get pressure on Kessler with of obviously Wheeler being out? Do you feel that Joe Schobert and Vince Beagle are going to have maybe one of those games where they can feast? Uh, on a uh, what you could say is a makeshift Trojan offensive line.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know about feast, but I, I certainly think Wisconsin will be able to dial up some pressure. And, and the one thing that I've gotten to know about Dave Aranda over his tenure here, when he has time to put together a game plan, uh, multiple weeks to put together a game plan, it's usually a, a pretty, uh, pretty intricate. Uh, different game plan than what many Wisconsin fans are used to, just to try to get teams off their edges a little bit, try to do some different things on film that maybe an opponent like an Auburn or an LSU or an Alabama wouldn't be prepared for, and you certainly give this Wisconsin team a fair shot because they're healthy. You look all across the board, they're going to have everyone in place for this game with the exception with the exception of Jack Cicci, who has to sit in the locker room for the first half because of that targeting call in the second half against Minnesota. What bothers me the most, and where I think this game will be won or lost, is can you pressure Cody Kessler? And can you get him moving and not settle in the pocket? I mean, his touchdown-interception ratio is tremendous. Uh, it's like plus 60... 63 or 69 over the last couple of years it's one of the best in FBS he is just a really solid steady quarterback and he this is going to be his third bowl game that he's going to be playing in so this isn't going to be a stage that's going to rattle him to any degree the rattling will have to be done by Wisconsin and by their linebackers and you're right this this offensive line of USC is a little bit in flux You're without your your solid left tackles. So there's going to be some switching and some maneuvering done in the trenches. Can Joe Schober and Vince Beagle take advantage of that and use their athleticism to maybe create some turnovers for the secondary? It would be really nice too to see a Wisconsin cornerback in an interception for the first time since November of 2013. It's been a long time since a Wisconsin cornerback has made a big play. So it would be a good opportunity to to get started in that direction.
1: No. <clears throat> Talking about controlling the line of scrimmage, winning a lot of those battles, and in turn, obviously getting the run game going. Now, the running game hasn't been spectacular this year. It's had its moments. It's also had its share of injuries. Uh, But you mentioned health. Everybody's ready to go. Do you think there's enough fresh legs and enough health for the running back uh, core, Corey Clement, and everybody else to be able to run the ball effectively against this defense who fired all their defensive coaches and is a little bit in flux right now?
2: Yeah, this this USC defense gave up a ton of yards to Stanford and Christian McCaffrey in the Pac-12 championship game, and, and granted, there's a big difference between the way Stanford's offense has been running this year and Wisconsin's offense is running this year. So I'm not expecting Wisconsin to drop, you know, 49-some points on USC tonight, but I I do expect Wisconsin to be able to get some yards on the ground and through the air and to be able to put some points up on the board against USC. I don't know what to make of Corey Clement. I, I really don't. And Paul Chris has been Paul Chris this week. He has been very <laughs> mum on the injury front without disclosing much, just giving his coach coach speak. You know, he's you know, he's practicing, he's got a chance, he's got a chance to play. You know, nothing very definitive of of will Corey play or will he not play or how much will he play. Just from listening to Corey talk before Christmas, you just got the sense that he just wasn't at that point. Fully locked in yet? That he admitted he was only about 85% healthy. It's very unlikely that he's gotten that extra 15% over the last week to be 100% for this game. I'm just gonna be curious to see what we're gonna get from Corey Clement. And you know, he's he's come out and said this has been a nightmare year for him from an injury standpoint, from the off-the-field um, issues that that popped up in the beginning of November. This is a year that he just wants to wipe the sleigh clean from. And this game would be a great springboard for him into twenty sixteen. I think Darry Goombawale can can do some things for Wisconsin out of the backfield in terms of pass catching. I think Taiwan deals showed against Minnesota that he's healthy and can move forward. So deal between the tackles, the Goomba Wally outside of tackles with a little bit of Corey Clement sprinkled in, I think that that trio Behind a still young offensive line, but an improving offensive line, can do some things tonight against USC's defense.
0: We're here with Ben Wargle, BadgerNation.com, and of course follow him on Twitter at the Badger Nation. What uh, you talked about that offensive line, like it, it it gelled well. It sounds like based off of some of the conversations that they've had, Ben with. The at least Christa said it sounds like they're. Do you feel like they're going to stick with that same combination that they had against Minnesota, and 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 in your opinion, like a month's worth of of gelling if they do stick with that, which is just you know redshirt senior left tackle Tyler Merritt, and then four redshirt freshmen. Uh, you know how how much does a month make to improve and to improve chemistry and, and to build off of that performance against the Gophers.
2: Well, I would be surprised if they switched to anything else because I don't think there's many more people they can switch to. I mean, they're pretty much, you know, they've gone through seven offensive line combinations in 12 games. I, I can't imagine they're going to go for eight um, just for kicks. And I don't know how much, you know, we really don't know what Walker Williams' injury is. That really has never been disclosed to us, which isn't a shock considering, you know, the, the staff guards, um, this staff guard's injuries like it's the Holy Grail, uh, the location of the Holy Grail. So you just kind of look at what this group did against Minnesota, a banged-up Minnesota team, and they dominated in the trenches, and I think that was a good confidence boost for this group that that Paul Chris and Joe Ruop decided to kind of let it ride a little bit and see what this team can do, this unit can do, against a defense that's a lot better than Minnesota's front. So, I'm anxious to see where the real strides have been in the last month. How much better is this group than what we saw against Minnesota? You, you've had more practices. You, know, you get a good chunk of practice time once you qualify for a bowl game to go through different drills and different workouts. It's kind of like an additional spring practice. So to have all these practices together as a group can only help And only can benefit these guys from an experience standpoint. And plus, now they have tape to watch. They have tape from the Minnesota game, and, you know, Bo Benchwall moving from right tackle to right guard for the first time. He's now going to be comfortable at right guard um, compared to where he was going to Minnesota with kind of, you know, flying by the seat of his pants. I think this last month has been probably the majority of it has probably been really beneficial to these guys to rest up, get prepared, and get ready for for USC tonight.
1: Ben, we talked about offense, we talked about defense. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it could cut down to special teams. What do we know, what do you know about the special teams unit for the Trojans?
2: To be honest with you, I don't know a heck of of a lot. I I haven't really looked at USC's uh, special teams, but, you know, you just – you just look at what Wisconsin has with, with Drew Meyer. Um, you know, Dory Jackson has been tremendous this year for USC in everything that he does, and that's the one thing that really stands out when you watch this team play for for USC. He's a starting cornerback. He's, you know, in the backfield. He can p- catch passes, and he's a kick returner, and he's had some really dynamic returns this year. Uh, two punts for his return for touchdowns this year and a number of yards on, on, on kickoff returns. So Drew Meyer will be counted upon to deliver some good punts with good hang time to let the coverage units get downfield. The kickoff units have to be on point uh, to look, deliver kickoffs deep into the end zone for touchbacks. And most importantly, in close games like this, you have to rely on your kicker. And Rafael Gagliannone has not had the, the greatest of years. He's been inconsistent. But the one place where he has been fairly consistent this year is in that 30 to 49 yard range, where he's been kicking a lot better as of late. It could come down to one of those kicks. Let's see if the uh, the big California kid um, can can deliver. Um, and with Gaglianoni, who's done a lot of different work um, to try to get himself right. It'll be interesting to see if he can deliver and uh, have a couple oleoles tonight. Although he's originally from Brazil, I don't know why I call him the California kid. Just I guess it just rolled up the tongue really easy.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. We're we're here with Ben Wargo, BadgerNation.com. dot com, and um, let me ask before we get to like a quick prediction. Let's talk about just uh, this class, the senior class. They're heading out, obviously. And you take a look at, at just some of those leaders. Uh, you know, you take a look at the the captaincy. And I had a chance to talk with Alex Erickson last week for an extended period uh, for a certain project uh, that I'm working about. That Hopefully we have some good news coming. But uh, talking about the walk-ons and the fact that he's a captain, uh, you have Joel Stavi, you have Joe Schobert, captains, three of the four. The, the fourth is Mike Caputo. Uh, you have three of the four being walk-ons. What has the walk-ons meant to this team uh, it's like some of the seniors, obviously. Obviously, you also have Daria Gumboale, who's led the team in rushing. Uh, but what is, what have the walk-ons meant uh, to this team this season? And and what have the seniors as a whole meant uh, to the Badgers, and not just 2015, but even before that?
2: Yeah, another great crop of walk-ons Wisconsin's developed. You know, Jake, someone really should write a book about these guys. I mean, that's it's kind of an impressive, <laughs> kind of an impressive history that Wisconsin has with their walk-ons, and you know, you look at. At the state of Wisconsin, <laughs> and, and Joel Stavi had a great point uh, when I talked to him last week. You know, the state of Wisconsin only has one Division One football team, and that's University of Wisconsin. Well, compared to in Illinois or in Indiana, where you have several teams, and players in that state, they start off by getting some of those smaller, smaller offers from a or a Northern Illinois or uh, schools like that. Wisconsin doesn't have that, and so a lot of p- good players in the state kind of slipped through the cracks a little bit because you know wisconsin can only take so many kids and if you don't sometimes get those scholarship offers sometimes you just miss you just get lost in the shuffle a little bit and that's why the walk-on program has been so strong over the years because wisconsin is able to bring in some of these type of kids who if they played in another state would have had walk-on offers uh, excuse me scholarship offers to other schools But you bring in a Joel Stave, who turned out an offer from Western Michigan. You bring in a Joe Schobert who was going to play at North Dakota at the 11th hour, but really impressed the state high school coaches at the WFCA All-Star Game. You bring in Alex Erickson, a walk-on quarterback from Darlington, and you develop him. It's just what Wisconsin has been doing for years and years and years. They develop players over the course of their first couple years, and then by the time their sophomore's Juniors or seniors, they really shine. And you know this class, very deep, a lot of talent. I mean Tyler Merritt's three-star kid out of Minnesota, very tough kid, and he's been a multi-year starter. Look at Darius Hillary, two-sport athlete. You know Tanner McAvoy, obviously has not been here his entire career, but came in, didn't work at didn't work at quarterback, didn't work at wide receiver. Really, doesn't really you know, sulk about it, finds a spot that really meshes for him, and that's been at safety. Michael Caputo, who turned down offers from Penn State, Pittsburgh and Ohio State to come to Wisconsin and the leader he's been this year. Everyone has a different story to tell to a degree, but they all kind of come together this year and and put together a pretty solid season. Nine and three is nothing to shake your head about, even though they lost to Iowa, or they lost to Northwestern, they didn't play for the big ten West that they didn't win the big ten west. They still have a chance to win ten games tonight um and and that's a very impressive number when you look about it, the grand scheme of things in college football,
1: Ben looking at the weather in San Diego, it looks like it's going to be <clears throat> fifty five a kickoff, so a little chilly for San Diego, but still much better than we're dealing with here so weather won't be an issue. It's time for the predictions what What is your prediction
2: for tonight's game? I got wisconsin boys twenty seven twenty four and the reason I say that is I think this Wisconsin defense will be able to do some things that USC will not be prepared for. I mentioned the Dave Aranda game plan over a couple weeks to work with. I think that Wisconsin defense can come up with some plays. I think Wisconsin's offense will be able to click a little bit better than they maybe they did in the last couple weeks of the season. So I think Wisconsin can scratch out a 27-24 win against a USC team that may not be fully locked in considering everything that's gone on with their program.
0: Ben, as always, my friend, it's great talking with you. I'm sure I'm uh, actually not sure. I know I'll talk with you later tonight uh, during the game. Uh, enjoy it, and uh, we'll talk soon. And uh, we'll schedule some time during the off season to chat, especially with the after this. Man, you got a month until National Signing Day coming up.
2: All right, Happy New Year, fellows. Take care. Hey, happy New Year, War-
0: Ben. Thanks. Ben and BadgerNation.com, and uh, you know, uh, we'll obviously great talking with him. Find him at the Badger Nation on Twitter, and uh, from there, uh, you know, let's talk, Scotty, predictions on our end. Uh will start off with you.
1: Well, it's funny, because uh, my prediction is very similar, except I've got the Badgers 27-26. I actually think there'll be four field goals um, to go along with two touchdowns for USC, but you know, the Badgers will bend, not break, not allow a lot of touchdowns and squeak one out in what could be a very interesting, exciting finish.
0: Right. And uh, I'll, what I'm going to do with mine, I'm going to stick with my prediction from what we ha- I talked with our SB Nation cousins over at Conquest Chronicles. They are the SB Nation site that covers USC Trojans. And in my opinion, I told them if Corey Clement is playing and he is healthy and is effective, you're looking, I'm saying, 28-27 Badgers. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think you'll see that pass defense bend a bit, especially with the the caliber of a Juju Smith Schuster, uh, who obviously is a, the big part of their offense in that passing game. But uh, I think they, I think the defense makes an impact. I think they get the Kessler a couple times, make make uh, some plays happen. And you'll see the Badgers take home a, a victory and uh, you know, and whether or not that's Dave Aranda, the defensive coordinator's last game, I think they'll also play the defense will play for them. Uh for him I should say. And I think that they'll they'll show up. I, I think my bold prediction is that T J Watt, uh, who is playing very, very well, uh you know, uh and he's been getting more and more time and it's his first season as an outside linebacker, I really feel that he'll make an impact. And it's one of those odd sub packages that you'll see out of the Badgers where there's maybe five linebackers, a defense, you know, five linebackers, a defensive lineman, and then five corner, or four or five defensive backs. I think, you know, he's been lining up as a nose guard. He's athletic enough. I think he can make a huge impact and we'll see just uh, how much he will uh, tonight. But I also think Showbert and Beagle will have their chances. Uh, against uh, an offensive line that's a little bit of a, in, in flux due to Wheeler being absent. So uh, from there, yeah, I'll say 28-27. Uh, before we let you guys go, uh, real quick, your predictions for Wild Card Weekend. Or not Wild Card Weekend. Or, or determine Who plays in the Wild Card Weekend between Minnesota and Green Bay? We talked about it before the pregame show. Uh, who you got in, in for Packers and Vikings?
1: Uh, you know, I... I'm not feeling as confident about it but I'm going to take uh big Packers 27-24 but man, I just I just don't feel good about that pick but I'm sticking with it. I'm I'm just I'm going to let it ride.
0: I'll say 27 uh no, I'll say 30 to 27 Packers. I think they squeak by. Um uh, but it'll be interesting to see uh what they do from there. Uh but uh and also just as an FYI letting people know to uh with the, just a little bit back to the Badger talk, uh, Vince Beagle, from what it's sounding like uh, and from what it sounds like, uh, he may make his – according to other media reports, I think Jeff Patrikis from Milwaukee Journal Sentinel said it on Sports Talk Radio that uh, this week, I think it was on Tuesday, that you're looking at the fact that he's going to probably decide – he's probably going to declare – not declare, but he is going to tell people what he intends to do with his eligibility and if will declare for the NFL draft. Uh, so that'll be a headline there uh, going forward. Uh, but you'll also look at the fact that uh, so that's something to keep in mind. But also just to see what happens with Dave Aranda's future going forward. Obviously, uh, many people predict that he'll go elsewhere. Uh, not Auburn. Auburn hired away LSU's defensive coordinator, but we'll see if LSU goes after him or if USC, the team that the Badgers are playing tonight, offer him a position. in, in, in what the Badgers will actually if, if they can actually offer him some money stay or whatever
1: happens. So uh, just some interesting hey, storylines. Go ahead. Let me ask you this. Speaking of storylines and coaches, you know, we talked about the coaching carousel in, in uh, division one football, or FBS football, whatever they call it now. Um, Chip Kelly, let go fired, uh, from the Eagles. Kind of surprised. I mean, I, I guess I'm not shocked, but kind of surprised, more surprised that they didn't wait till next week to do it. You see him coming back to the, uh, uh, college football ranks. Do you see him taking one of these these top openings, or do you think he'll get hired somewhere in the NFL? Well, what's quickly just first blush? What's your thoughts on what's going to happen with Chip Kelly?
0: I mean, I know it's kind of odd, but I, I part of me thinks even Titans, just because Marcus Mariota, the quarterback's there, yeah, and know there's been, so much.
1: It's certainly, certainly, some, one team that would be more one team that would be likely to take the shot would be Tennessee. Um, I just I, to me, I still. I think as a coach, the first two years, you know, first year especially, he caught the league off guard, but the league, I I just knew that they would adjust because that's what the NFL does. They adjust to, to whatever the FAT is defensively. So this quick tempo thing, it was successful for him. Um, but maybe it could still work with Tennessee. As long as he's not involved in the personnel uh, decisions, which seems to be what derailed him uh, in Philadelphia, maybe Tennessee. But if he was going to a college program, why not a USC? Why not come back to, uh, uh, to the, the, the Pac-12 and, you know, he's familiar with the area, he's familiar with the conference. I don't know, it's going to be interesting, but this just adds to the intrigue of the off season. I think.
0: It does. I don't, and the thing is, USC named Clay Helton as their head coach, so I don't know if he'll actually, if they'll actually go back on that deal, but... We'll see what what comes of it. Yeah, you know, I, it, I, apologize.
1: It, it, I I I apologize. I, meant I I met UCLA.
0: Oh UCLA. But, oh
1: yeah, no, no. Oh no, yeah. worries.
0: That, that, that's big. Jim came and there for other and the fan base may not be necessarily happy with more after the fact that UCLA lost to was Nebraska in the Foster Farms Bowl uh, earlier this week. So no, yeah, you hit on the head. Maybe maybe that's something. Maybe that's a, a development there. Yeah, I, apologize.
1: I had USC on my mind. Obviously, and for good reason.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, no, and you, you, we said we're uh, we're excited to see this game, and obviously from what it sounds like, I think the the Badgers were underdogs by about three, three and a half points uh, from last time I checked. Uh, guys enjoyed the game, obviously, and like and uh, just a couple of quick other notes. Joe, uh, Joel save, for as much slack that as he's gotten in his first career, could end as the winningest quarterback in Wisconsin history if he. <laughs> Uh, which uh, you know, which is something, and whether or not people think it's a quarterback stat or not, with wins and losses, uh, who 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 would think a, a walk-on uh, from Greenfield, Wisconsin, uh, would, after the Russell Wilson era, uh, become the winningest quarterback? Uh, possibly, yeah. At least he's tied well, to it right now, but yeah, so
1: yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you this: so is that an indictment on the type for quarterbacks that Wisconsin has had over the years, or? Is that a something good to say about Joel
0: Stave? I think it's something good to, t- to say about Go- Joel Stave. And by the way, our live stream is going out. Thank you, guys. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's something that uh, – I think it's to talk about Stave. I think it's obviously rising up and even bringing in a Juco quarterback compared like, Tanner McAvoy and the simple fact that they had the uh, – you look at uh, – how would you describe it? Uh, the uh, – just everything like oh, Gary Barry, Anderson is like, like, basically working and – Trying to get a mobile quarterback in, and tried getting Tanner McAvoy, and then you saw DJ Gillins, uh, who's now working at wide receiver. Uh, trying to get these mobile quarterbacks in, and, and they didn't pan out, and and you know, or at least yet. And Stavis kind of persevered. So I think, it, and you have to to credit the the injuries that have happened to the quarterback in recruiting. Yeah, Kurt Phillips, who was supposed to be this all-world quarterback uh, from Tennessee, had great legs, had a decent arm, goes out has three, what, three-some-odd knee surgeries. Uh, you look at John Budmeier, uh, who lost out to Russell Wilson, who's actually now a graduate assistant at UW, uh, mostly working with the quarterbacks. He's injured. So it opened all these injuries opened the door, and the transfer to Daniel O'Brien didn't work out. So it, I think it says a lot for Joel Stave to, that he's risen up and also fought through the yips, and, uh, or a form of the yips, whatever they want to call it.
1: So I think it does say kind something a- about that kind of the ultimate survivor because they've been trying to, I mean, in all honesty, ever since he took the starting spot, some fans, not all, but some fans and some members of the media have been wanting to and looking to ways to replace him. So, you know, but he's survived through all that. So real quick, I I know the answer that I feel is is right. You may or may not have a different opinion, but if he's the winningest quarterback in Badger history, who's the best?
0: I mean, I think you still look at either Scott Tolzien or, Russell Wilson, even if it's for one year, the, what, what Wilson, I, I would say Wilson just do the fact, I think the one that's progressed the most, I would say was Tolzien. Uh, and maybe second would be Asave, Uh but especially mm-hmm. with what Chris has done. But you look at what Tolzien did in 2009, he, he was the first year starter, not the greatest of numbers, but then what he did in 2010, where it was only 16 touchdowns, only six interceptions, over 70% completion percentage uh, was the Giant United's uh, you know, winner for or award winner there, the thing is the golden arm winner and you know what you're seeing in him being a viable backup in the NFL is uh, it all is traced back to to Chris and what he did. Uh but I you still say Russell Wilson. I'd say just uh, obviously he was a talent out of out of N C State and that there's some molding there, but you see what he did in Chris's offense was phenomenal. Uh and I you know you'd say maybe Daryl Bevel obviously Brooks Ballinger, some other names, recent memory, uh, you know, Ron Vanderkellen uh, from the Rolls Bowl team, even though that really is just one season on his end. Uh, but I, I would say Wilson or Tolzien, at least in the modern yeah. era with, uh, with Bevel, you know, on that end. Um, but yeah, but Stavy's name's up there. I mean, you can't take that away. 31 wins and through the adversity that he's faced and not trying to be a and obviously he's from my hometown. Uh, but you know, you see what he's had to persevere, and obviously he's made his mistakes. And Tom Holtz and I actually had conversations about that in the past, <laughs> talking about how he, you know, you know, you know what you'll get with with Stave, and he's a good he's a good quarterback, but you know he's prone to there being some mistakes here and there. It's just the just the way it is.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think those are all fine names, but I think even though it was only one year, I'm not going to hold that against him. I think Russell Wilson was the most exceptional quarterback to ever play that position to the Badgers. You can talk about the wins and longevity. All that stuff is great, but I'll tell you what, he was a game changer. The other guys were good. I think, you know, I think Tolzien does get overlooked. I think, you know, Stave, you know, has battled through adversity, but I don't think there is a guy in that group, Bollinger, Bevel. I don't think any of those guys are game changers. Also Wilson was a game changer, and it's only unfortunate part is we only got one year of his splendor, but it was it was a pretty good year. Oh yeah, no. I, if it's not for the defense that
0: year, you're looking at the fact that they're probably national title contenders. Uh, you, you mean they're they're two Hail Marys away from from being in the BCS, you know, like near BCS uh, contenders. So um, yeah, I mean that, that's that's how close they were uh, to that. Uh, and plus, people have always talked about what if JJ Watts would have stayed another year, which people I tell people to stop because that that just that, that's that still hurts. Uh, <laughs> mhm. Uh, other than that, uh, no. From there, uh, by the way, we wanted before we uh, we're know we're off our live stream. So thanks for everyone that did listen, that are continuing to listen in. Uh, but you know, I just want to thank. Uh, we're we're gonna we're really happy and excited. We're gonna we're partnering up now with RentCollegePads. Uh, dot com, and and they are um, you know it's it's a uh, it takes us taking a look real quick at, at this. Yeah, it's RentCollegePads.com. dot com. We we did this. Um, it's a great partnership we have with them now. Uh the show will be brought to you by it's going to be the official sponsor of the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza and Bucky's Fifth Quarters uh podcast. So this is this is huge for us. It's a lot of fun. Uh they are a great website, they help just college students at UW Madison uh, and elsewhere find That's the best off the campus best housing off options, campus options in out. the Madison area. And so uh you know so, uh, it's, uh, 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 we just want to thank, our, you, know, thank them, uh, you know them uh, for their support.
1: Uh, for their support and, and
0: finding off-campus and housing has always been a chore until now, and you can browse tons of properties on co- RentCollegePads.com today, and they have all the best apartments and houses around campus and in Madison, and of course find your next place on Rent College Pads today. So, uh, Sky, we're pretty excited for that, especially to bring it in the new year, and uh, that will be that will start coming up next week's show.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, hey, I'm always excited when we find somebody who uh, who believes enough in this show to sponsor it. So, uh, I mean, we obviously believe in it. So, uh, no, it's great. Uh, new year, new sponsor, uh, the start of, you know, and and, and while well, we're on the subject, you know, not to get too overly sentimental. It's been a tough year for a lot of people. A lot of people I know, not just myself and your family, but I hope everybody has a safe, a safe and happy New Year's Eve 2016 uh, brings more blessings in 2015. Did. So even if you had a good 2015, I hope 2016 is better. So you know, take that any way you want. I'm just hoping for everybody has a better year because everybody should strive for a better year every year, right?
0: Absolutely, I completely agree, and I, I hope everyone uh, has a very safe New Year's Eve. tomorrow night, I hope, uh, and obviously uh, we're we're looking forward to even better 2016 on our end, both personally and professionally, and uh, and uh, like I said, for everyone there, just be safe tomorrow. Uh, don't be stupid. Take cabs. I always say this just because um, you guys have options. Just make sure you guys are safe. Uh, anything else, Scotty, before we uh, wrap it up and uh, then uh, just take our our uh, respective seats around our televisions to partake in the festivities that are about to begin? Kickoff at 9.40. No.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Other than to echo your sentiment, taking cabs in Milwaukee, buses are free tomorrow. So, you know what, it's not only free and safe, but it can be an interesting sideshow if you decide to ride Milwaukee County Transit after midnight on New Year's Eve. So uh, you got that going for you if you live uh, live in the city. So other than that, yeah, I'm going to finish up the last few minutes of some things I got to get around the house so I can be parked in front of the television in about 30 minutes and uh, be ready to rock.
0: Sounds great. And Now, as always, everyone, Happy New Year. Stay safe have fun enjoy the game and we'll talk to you next week and recap everything on the Killboss King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter and obviously also definitely brought to you by rentcollegepads.com uh, which starts next week so dozo betcheni my friends we will talk to you soon
2: Accordion solo, American folk,er played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Records. <laughs> Thank you.